You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, Los Angeles, California, and Maria Menounos, and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is AfterBuzz TV Spotlight On. Spotlight On is a long-form interview series featuring actors and TV personalities. And now, from the world's number one TV after-show platform, this is AfterBuzz TV Spotlight On. And this is Colors of the USA, which is Doreen Taylor, who is our special guest today. It is her brand new hit single. Hey guys, this is AfterBuzz TV Spotlight On. I'm Chloe West, and I am so excited to welcome Doreen Taylor. Oh, thank you. Hi, Chloe. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. I'm happy to be here in LA chatting it up with you today. Awesome. Well, we're excited to talk about this song and your album. So tell us about Colors of the USA. You wrote you wrote it mm-hmm. specifically for the I want to get all this right, the National Parks Conservation Association. That's right. Yes. A lot of people don't get that right. That's very <laughs> it's good. Important. First it's out. a very specific organization yes, and they, they do a lot for our national parks. So they do. how did they find you? We kind of found each other. It was a really weird thing where I was doing an interview. It was a call-in interview. I happened to be in Buffalo, New York, um, doing a little mini media tour. And we were promoting, I I forget, my previous album. And I did this this interview on Big Blend Radio or magazine. And, you know, it was one of these littler things that I had done. And they contacted me after the fact. While we were talking, it came up that I'm a big proponent of saving green space and honoring history. And I don't know how that all came up because I think they were fans of it. So it kind of was like segued into that. And while we were talking, they they just kind of like made a mental note and then hit up my PR firm after and said, can, I, can we speak to her like one-on-one? And that's the first time that's ever happened. And the only time that's ever happened since. I mean, maybe you'll do it now, like yeah. after, you know, because yeah, you you're going to love me so much. But... <laughs> But honestly, they, they. I said, well, you know what? It's so like different. Of course, I got to see what they're going to do. It piqued my interest. So Absolutely. We did this hour call. They said we'd like to introduce you to a friend of ours. I said, sure, okay. Any friend of yours <laughs> is a friend of mine, and it happened to be this person who is a higher up over at the NPCA, which is the National Parks Conservation Association. I'm on this conference call without my manager, without anyone on it, in my sweats at home, <laughs> talking. You know, and, and I had no idea. It was one of those things where I think it was charming to them because it wasn't professional. I kind of was just very refreshing to them. And we started talking. They heard my music. They were big fans right right off the bat. They came to Philadelphia, saw my kickoff concert on my tour, my magic tour. They were hooked. And then we started going back and forth. And then a year later... Colors of the USA was born. We decided to do this. I was the only, I was chosen out of everyone in the United States to do this, to uh, collaborate with the MPCA and to write a new anthem uh, to protect our parks. It's really an, a song that could be here 30 years from now, 60 yes. years from now. You never know. Yeah, it's one of those songs that, you know, it might be like the next America the Beautiful or something. Because- Your mouth to God's ear. That's what we're <laughs> hoping for. You know, uh, that's the way I tried to write it, though. I really tried to write it with a modern little twist to it, kind of adult contemporary country flavor, because that's, you know, where I, I my roots are. But I really wanted to make something that could withstand the test of time, something that could reach somebody today and make sense 30 years from now. Absolutely. So it's not like anything that could be trendy or something that we're, it really can't. It's classic. It's a classic kind of song. I think we hear that too. But how much input did they have in the writing of it? Because I imagine that they were fact, you know, checking everything the whole time. Do you know, you would have thought that. Honestly, because they came in and they, they picked me. So already they had kind of given me their nod of approval. So they already knew what they were getting. They heard mm-hmm. my other music. They heard my album Magic before. So they knew I wasn't a very controversial person. They weren't going to get any, like, you know, expletive swear words <laughs> coming out. I, maybe I should have thrown one in just in case. You know, About whales see if or they were, something. Yeah, see if they were paying attention. But no, I just, um, the only time they ever wanted to see anything, we kind of agreed since I'm a musician and I'm an artist, creatively, I should have creative content. So however the melody were to go or the orchestration, the strings, anything like that, I didn't really want too many cooks to ruin the recipe, Absolutely. Kind of, so to speak. But I did let them approve the lyrics. And it was the quickest approval I've ever had. You would think, it, you know, having an organization that's so tied with government and everything Yeah, like it needs that, to go through so many you levels. Think, no, they saw it and they're like, we love it. And it was like within like an wow. hour. And they went through all the chains of command and it, that was it. I think we all 
all knew at that point that something special was starting to happen here. Oh, that is so great. And the reception has been so great for it. Yeah. How does that feel? Well, we launched it in a very unusual way. We didn't just do a normal like, okay, let's release this yeah, and have you a kept party. It a secret until the until we you performed it for it. them. We held it, and that was my gift to them. I said, well, first of all, I, this is their song. I'm giving this song to them for the length of the entire song. It's not like I'm saying, you know, for three months we're going to give fifty percent of the proceeds to you or something like that. Mm-hmm. No, for the life of the song, half of the proceeds of any download goes to them. It's because I really wanted to, this song to be completely about them. This isn't about me. This is about them. It's about cool. us. It's the collaboration. It's really to get the message out there to help. And um, so part of the gift was to unveil it at their huge Salute to the Parks Gala at the museum. Wow. And I'm not saying museum. It's actually the museum. museum. Yes, yes, it's in I D. have to have good diction here. <laughs> the museum in Washington, D.C., which is amazing, amazing. It's very museum. cool. Yeah, and they did this huge Salute to the Parks Gala with, you know, congressmen. My congressman from New Jersey came out. The oh. congressman from where I grew up in Buffalo came out. It was so amazing that all these people were getting involved and, and coming out and supporting this organization and also supporting me and the, what I'm trying to do. And it, it was just amazing. I get cheered, you know, choked up just talking about it because it's like it, being a musician, you work so hard and you have a lot of negative, you really do. There's so much rejection. There's so many things that you're like, why do I do this? And then you have a moment like that and you're like, yes, this is why I do this. I understand that all the rest makes sense. Absolutely. It reinvigorates yes. your, the artist inside. Oh, totally. Especially when you write something specifically for an organization. That is, I feel like that's very rare. Not many artists today can say that they have... They found an organization, mm-hmm. and then they wrote a song for it mm-hmm. that's going to be that new anthem. That's just really special. Yeah, and to have their kind of seal of approval to to do this, sight unseen. They never. It's not like I had a song, and they said, you know what, we love that song. And you pitched it can to them, we, right? Yeah, can we have that song? No, they said, look, we want you to create something out of thin air and do something. And, you know, while we knew, all we need to do is just make sure that it goes along the, gu- the guidelines of what our mission statement is. And that was all. And they was kind it of harder to write a song that way or like other than the songs on your <sighs> album? Because I can imagine when you're writing for an album, it's just any life experience that's hit you, you know, and you're like, I imagine musicians are constantly journaling, I'm very random, just scribbling in a journal. <laughs> but then when it comes to writing for an organization and a national organization, that the pressure might just be That's a little too much. It's, you know, you could definitely succumb to the pressure. You could sit there and say, wow. Because if you really let it sink in and realize what the magnitude of something this big potentially could be, and already totally. it is, you know, yeah. and it's growing and growing every day. <laughs> and 4th of July is coming, yes. so I'm sure it's only going to keep growing. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, we have Memorial Day, all of those things yeah. coming. And, and really, it's one of these songs that you could think anytime. You really, you know, it's it's one of those songs that you hear. It could be winter. The, oh, yeah. You know. Choirs all over yes. America. And, like, all of the all of the children's choirs will be singing this. And <laughs> it'll true. be the new song because everyone will be like, oh, we've sang America the Beautiful a million times now. And, oh, my gosh, there's this new song that we there can very few. When you think of that, when you think of really national anthems or songs that are associated as patriotic songs, how many can you think of? I mean, you have Lee Greenwood for God Bless the USA. Yes, that one. I think that's about the last one that I've ever heard come out. Yeah, no, I think there's I think there's three. There's the national yeah. anthem, there's America the Beautiful, and Which then were written God like, Bless you know, the USA, and now yeah. Colors of the USA. Yeah. So very cool. And it, I'm really the female. All the other songs, I believe, I don't want to say that somebody will write letters or something, but I don't think any of them were ever written by a female. No. They weren't. So I'm the first real yeah. female representing the female population. That's amazing. Represent. There you please. go. Going out there and really <laughs> yes. just saying, you know, I, this is a female perspective. And, you know, going back to what you said, the hardest part was there's 401 national parks. A lot of people don't know that. They think of a national park. They think of Yosemite. They think the of Yellowstone. Yeah. They think of natural. And then you also have to realize, well, Alcatraz the Liberty Bell, oh. all these like man-made things are also, you know, historic national parks. Very cool. So you have to say, well, how do you include that in there? Because you can write this beautiful song about the majesty of all these natural things in this world, but how do you really incorporate all... Alcatraz. How do you incorporate a jail? <laughs> Believe me, that was the hardest thing. So I kept going around and around in my head, and I just kept thinking, well, when I was a child, I was one of those children that actually went to the parks. My parents, my father didn't fly on an airplane. He still has not ever flown on a commercial jet or any kind of airplane to this day. Wow. And I said, I'm not, you know, it's been a while. So um, 
So we would go in a car trip. And we, I grew up in Buffalo, New York. So we would pile in a car. We, he was a teacher. So we would have two breaks. We'd have an Easter break and then we'd have a summer break. And it was like, you know, these one was a smaller trip and then the summer would obviously be a longer trip. And we would drive across the country, and I had a little passport for the national parks. Aww. And I was this little kid, and I, and I was so really cute because there's a lot of pictures of me doing it. And I was so proud of that little thing. I felt like a little world traveler because I'm going across <laughs> in the car. And we would stop at park after park after park, and I would get it stamped, and I'd show everyone at school You know, when I would go back to school after the break. And I was just proud of it because it was something that was special. It was something my family had done. At the time, it was probably hell on earth, let me tell you. <laughs> right. Being with my brother playing, in the backseat of a car for hours. The Game over we would and stay over at again. these roach motels. We didn't stay in like four star suites or anything like that. No, we stayed. We have stories. Like my mom one time was so grossed out by like where we were. She slept in the car. It was like oh, that's hilarious. So there's a lot of these amazing things that I look back and they're they're wonderful stories. I laugh and you know I'll tell my you know my future generations the same story. Like that's my grandkids. great. I didn't know that the national parks had a passport system. I think that's so cute. They did. They did. That's really cool. And we just found it. It was so funny. My mom had packed away. I've obviously moved on and traveled and done all these things. She kept it at home. And when she was going to the gala, she cleaned out my old room. Oh, my gosh. And, and she sh- found it? She found Did it. Did you bring it to the gala? Uh, she brought it with her. Oh, yeah. good. Oh, yeah. I love that. That was really sweet. So when we were deciding, what are we going to write here? What am I going to do? How am I going to write this? I decided to write it like I was a child. Yeah. Well, what did it mean to me? Yeah. And I mean, that's sort of meant to be a little bit because as yeah. a child, I didn't travel the national parks like that. Mm-hmm. And that's really special that they... And, you know, the happenstance found someone who was passionate about it, who was a musician, who could write a song that would be really good for it, and that had the experience of it. That's pretty amazing. There's a lot of things in this whole recipe that have seemed to be very happy coincidences, maybe not so coincidental if you really Uh think about it. But, like, we did the huge East Coast release party. We did it in Philadelphia. I actually chose to record the song in Philadelphia because of the historic amazing just tradition and just the history that the rich tapestry of that area so i decided to pick that city to record the song so when we had the release party we decided to do it in philadelphia and um it was a great event we sold it out i just randomly picked a date because i said oh to line up with my trip to la and in the west coast release party because i'm out here doing that now and i said what what do we what date do i pick so we pick april 22nd it's earth day had no idea Absolutely no idea. It was a Tuesday night. I never do anything on a Tuesday night. It was just like, yeah, that date sounds really good to me. That's great. So these are these little happy things that I just kind of say, I think this is meant to be. I think this is why I'm here on this planet yeah. right now. So Well, and I want to kind of go, I want to talk about your beginning in music, really, sure. because it's so interesting. <laughs> yeah. uh, you majored and got a master's in opera. Yes. Uh-huh. And so how long were you the kid that was in like every play and knew you wanted to be a singer or did you kind of not find how, when did you find your voice? I always loved to sing and when I was by myself I would do it all the time. I would just, you know, I would love toys that made noise, any kind of toy that, you know, a little, pi- you know, piano or kind of thing or a little xylophone. I was always the kid that would go to that toy before I would go to a Barbie doll. I wanted to create noise. My parents probably hated me for that. <laughs> but I thought, oh, I love to create something. I'm creating something. out Barbie doll, you play, you dress it up. I love to do fashion and all that, too. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but, you know, I wanted to create. And so from birth, I really think I, I've always had something in me. I always could pick up an instrument instrument and be able to play it. I'm self-taught wow. on the piano. On the song you heard, Colors of the USA, there's an amazing, beautiful um, acoustic piano part in the whole thing. That's me playing. And A lot of people don't know that. self-taught? Self-taught. Like Jimi Hendrix over here. <laughs> self-taught. That's incredible. Yeah, I don't really tell many people that because I don't wow. want to take away like, oh, well, then you're not a real pianist or something. No, I really self-taught and I actually taught lessons for a while. That's kind of scary. Yeah. I, I hate that my probably my Students are going to come back wanting their money. <laughs> Wait a minute. You know, you, you didn't teach me properly. But no, I, I play from the heart. Oh, I cool. just feel what I do. And even when I perform, I'm trained. I'm classically trained in opera. But when I really sing, I feel. I, I don't just listen. I hate to listen to myself because that's where you fall into a trap. When you want to hear yourself and you become like kind of, I don't know, egocentric about, oh, I sound so good. And oh, you know, <laughs> you miss doing a lot of the things because it's you know there's a delay by the time the sound reaches your ear after you've sung it 
you, it's, you're not going to have time to like make little adjustments. You're not going to be able to do things. You're a year two in your head. I definitely sing by feel. I can remember something. If I sing it properly, I can sing it the same exact way. I could go deaf tomorrow and I could still sing and be in tune because I do it by feel. Right. Oh, wow. That is so cool. And I do that with my instruments too. When I, when I play and I pick up an instrument, I just kind of know how to do it because it feels right. It's just you feel. It's like driving somewhere and you just kind of know the direction to go in. You just have that sixth sense to go down that road and that's the road you've got to go home to. It's the same thing with me. It's like the sixth sense. So how did you, why did you want to major in opera? <laughs> what was the, what was the, uh, so you went from playing all these fun like instruments and teaching yourself and then being like, I'm really good. I'm going to be an opera singer. <laughs> Here's the problem <laughs> with music. And then we're going to get a like whole side story here. Like we'd have a whole story about this, but the problem with music is that when you're you have a lot of talent. Like I have a three and a half octave range. It's, it's oh my a, goodness! It's really huge. It's like Mariah Carey. Yeah, kind of seriously. Range. So when they hear that and they hear that you can do that style, yeah. they automatically they're recruiting you. Put you <laughs> classically because when you think of um, I mean, t- right now, I mean, maybe some universities are starting to do this, but really, they're not doing it on a whole on a whole global scale. There's no really degree in country music. There's no right. rock and roll degree at, you know, at, right. at an accredited university where you can actually get totally. a good. It's a hard knocks yeah. degree. <laughs> so if you really want to learn music and you really want to specialize and know what you're doing, because when I write, I want to know what I'm doing. I want to, I want to be able to sing today. I want to sing when I'm 60. I don't want to burn out. I want to sing properly. So if I want to learn how to do that, where am I going to go? I have to go to classical. So mm-hmm. I, I did it and I was quite successful at it. I toured. I did a lot of opera companies throughout the and United Broadway States. And Broadway as well. I, do, I crossed over to Broadway, did Christine and Phantom of the Opera in a national tour. So these are not like small things. These are yeah. amazing things. But I never felt like it was home. I never right. felt like I was always playing another person. I was always playing a character. And I felt, well, I have something to say. I know that I have these songs inside of me that I'm creating. How come I can't get those out there? Right. You know? And then is that how you found the country music scene to yeah. really be able to do that? Yeah, because people say, well, how do you go from opera to country? And I'm like, well, I always grew up. I liked that kind of I liked every kind of music. I was a Tool fan. I was <laughs> yes. Alice in Chains. I was hardcore. I liked everything. I hear a little bit of that of that rock influence <laughs> in this album. I do. I love rock and roll. I would love to go all the way. I just don't know if my fans would necessarily buy into that so <laughs> i have to keep it sort it's of hard for us blondes to be taken seriously yeah, in the hardcore scene yeah and especially <laughs> since i do sing sort of legit it's kind of hard to cross completely over to screaming all the time i could probably do it but i don't want to do it right it's that mental block of like that i'm not supposed to sing like right, that right <laughs> and i feel like you know my teachers somehow you know would just find me and they would just like hit me over the head with something and say they what did you do at your show they would they would throw things at me and stuff or pull out the plugs and say enough no more. <laughs> but I, I really, I think now I'm doing my own sound. I don't really think I sound like anything. I mean, it, it sounds really crazy to say that. Like, you couldn't put me on a shelf and say, yes, you are completely country. Or, yes, you're completely adult contemporary. You're completely rock. I'm everything. I agree with that because one of the questions I was going to ask you when I was prepping for this interview was like, who are your influences? <laughs> Everyone. Because <laughs> I'm like, in one song, I'm like, oh, that kind of sounds like Shania. And then uh-huh. I'm like, no, but I'm getting I'm getting some Bon Jovi in this there one. And I'm like, <laughs> but who am I? It's, it was really, it's really cool. I really yeah. agree with that. I think that... This album, Magic, and your sound is kind of something that's, you know, it's this nice melting pot of, I think, what your influences are and then what's happening in music today and your own voice and what you're bringing to it. Because, yeah, I'm listening to the album and I'm like, who? I'm like, who does she sound like? Well, it changes every song. (laughs) It's got a nice, uh, because we wanted to do that. I wanted to provide, like when we were producing Magic and, you know, we have these 10 songs, really 11, because we do a really awesome cover of Summertime. Mm -hmm. I can't take credit for writing that song. Unfortunately, I wish I could, but Gershwin did that one before me. (laughs) But we did uh, definitely put like a Doreen Taylor spin on it. It's definitely a way, because that song's been covered so many times. And But not in a country way, I don't think. It's never been done this way. I mean, when we sat there, we said, how are we going to do this? It's never been done before. Like 30 something i forget how many times like thousands and thousands of times it has the guinness book of world records i think for being oh, the most covered song i would believe that because yeah. i can name five right off right the top off the of bat. my head yeah right off the bat but yeah. not in a country way i feel like not yeah. many country singers record the cover of it at least we did it we said well what can we do so we tried to do it in like almost a very 
bluesy country, like New Orleans funeral kind of way. Yes. When we start off and we're like, well, let's put some horns in this. Let's actually do some things that maybe country musicians would be afraid to do. But me, I'm fearless. I don't care if people are <laughs> judging me. I'm just doing this. I, I'm an artist. I think that music, when you start to make music fit into a box, you're no longer creating art. You're creating a product. Mm-hmm. And you have to always be smart that you have to create a product because you want it to sell. But at the same time, you don't want to sell out yourself to sell exactly you know what I mean well and I think the fans recognize that as well and the fans can come to they the fans really see where the music is and where the heart is and they gravitate to that because I mean I think Taylor Swift is a perfect example Mm. I she got so many no's and things and Mm -hmm. they were like well you know your songs aren't written that well and then every teen girl was like this song was written for me finally someone's writing a song for me so it's yeah I think you're right I think when you create your own box, then that's people come into it versus mm-hmm. trying to fit in somebody else's box. Well, and I think you're right about the fans. I think they know when it's fake. Mm-hmm. You really know. Like, even I do all my own social media. At this point, I have tens of thousands of fans on there that are really, it's me. I try to always tell them it's tough and <laughs> it's really hard to have that kind of personal connection. And I, I know it's getting harder and harder as the numbers increase exponentially, but I still try to, even if I do it one day a week or I do it two days a week, I try to say, Hey, you're the guys that were there from the beginning. Yeah. I can't turn my back on you now. You have to, you know, this is part of the journey and I want to know what they're thinking. I want to know, Hey, sometimes like I'll put a picture up because I do, I have a billion pictures all the time. That's like one of the things I do a lot of photo shoots. I used to be a model God back in the day. And, uh, so, <laughs> So, you know, I, I like to put those up. And sometimes people will say, well, I really like this picture, but I really like this kind of look better. And I actually oh, listen cool. to those things. Sometimes people are just idiots. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes they're very helpful. And, you know, you have to weed out the ones. And, uh, you know, it, it's been a learning experience for me because I actually listen and I kind of will guide my career in different ways because I know that's what they also want. Yeah, and I think that's what makes social media so special yeah. is that fan interaction. Right, and, and so many artists don't do it. They'll have they'll hire a firm mm-hmm. and they'll say, "Here, pretend you're me." Right, but the, I think they know. You I know have friends who I have friends it. who work at those firms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. So those those are real firms. Yes, she's not that's making that true. up. It's true. But you know, like if you you put you. Like, I really believe if you ask someone a question, it's like fan mail. Because that's mm-hmm. what fan mail is now. They post totally. a question. They're not writing you a snail mail, you know, thing anymore. I see email, say, oops. No, snail <laughs> mail letter. They're not doing that anymore. They're going to post something on there. And I really think if they take the time to be respectful to you and ask you a real legitimate question, you should take the time to answer. Yeah, There's I There's always totally some agree. time in the day. I know I'm busy. I don't sleep very often. You can probably <laughs> see the bags. I, I, you know, I'm always go, 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 go. But at the same time, I think there's always there's always a minute or two that you can take to give time to a fan or someone that actually gives a crap about you. Yeah, I love it. I love that. I love that you're passionate about the fan interaction. <laughs> and I actually, for all the fans who are watching, I really want to get into the album. And one of the things that um, I like to do when we have artists on is I like to go through song by song because not awesome. we're a long form interview and yeah. in the shorter ones we don't really get to do that and mm-hmm. i just think that's something that we really that's special and i love to hear because for someone like you who wrote every song except the summertime one i love to hear about the process and sure. There's being lots of a stories. musician and <laughs> yeah and so let's go ahead so her album is magic mm-hmm. and let's just start with song number 1 which is last call okay um so this one as soon as it starts, yeah, uh, you hear it and you're like, "Oh, this this song's gonna play in a bar, and it's about a bar, and I love, it. and it's that good old like country drinking song." Mm. And I mean, the title is obviously like right. tells you what it's about. But yep. what was it like writing this one? Was this just like you're like, I was? Where in the process was this song? Because this song is so fun. It's like either I feel like it was the first one, or you wrote a bunch of ballads that were sad, and you're like, "I want to write a fun song." <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because. Um, a lot of my music, as you go through the album, you hear it has a very woman empowered kind of Absolutely. feel. It's it's like I don't need a man. It's it's a lot of commentary about society. There's a lot more than meets the eye in my lyric. So when I try to write a lyric, it may it's deceptively simple. I guess that's the way to say it. So when we were deciding about like. I, I don't know where the inspirations were coming from for this album, but they were coming like every day. Sometimes song, like several songs a day were coming into my head. I had to stop it because it was maddening. Oh my god! But when this song came, I, I really was thinking about like when I was in college and I would sit there and observe. I'd be that girl watching these guys 
kind of when those ugly lights, because originally I had the word ugly lights in there, and that was yes. going to be the name of the song. Oh. When when you're trying to get somebody and you're talking to them all night, and then all of a sudden those lights go on at the end of the night, and you're like, oh my god, who have I been talking <laughs> to all night? And it's the alcohol, and you know everybody looks a little better and better. Oh, of after, course, you know, the got those beer goggles on. Yeah, so, of course. <laughs> so it was really a very tongue in cheek kind of funny commentary and it's a cute song and so when I brought this I, I actually collaborated with um, a great songwriter uh, Joe Mass this is really 50% this is the biggest split most of the oh, songs okay. really were like majority every word has always been written on me by me on this album okay, but he cool. came in I brought in a very sexy this was a really sexy song at first it was more of like a strip club versus a bar <laughs> club I would think and um, he said why like, don't we do like a like a bare naked lady kind of thing like yeah. you know with a little just fun happy whatever so he started playing this like this groove that, that groove that you're hearing and then all of a sudden I started singing my words and making a melody on top of that groove and that was how it was born very cool. And, yeah, what's interesting is I feel like the lyrics, so you were saying they were very female empowering, and I totally hear that. And it's almost a little bit, I feel like, lyrically, a Miranda Lambert, like, kind of mm-hmm. hearing, like, powerful woman, you know, like, yeah. don't tread on me sort of thing. And yeah. But your sound is kind of like Reba meets Shania for me a little bit. I'm yeah. like, I turned it on, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this song could have easily been on any of their albums. Like, so cool. <laughs> and, like, it's it's what makes it so fun. And what makes your sound so different is because Ruben and Shania, they were female empowering as well. But yeah. I think that you bring a little of that Miranda grit that everyone is, like, I'm now like, hearing on the radio. I'm a good girl with a touch of badass. I really <laughs> am. That is really me. I mean, I I definitely do a lot, like you said, for charity. I'm a good girl, you know, what you see. But, you know, when I start writing music, it's like the whole, the real me comes out and I start <laughs> saying it like it is. And I don't hide, I do not hold back. I, you know, there's been times where people would say, maybe you should censor this. Maybe, you know, Bible part of America will not like last call for alcohol. It's going to be offensive to people. I said, you know what? Then I'm sorry. That's just what it is. I know I'm not swearing. I'm not saying anything. Yeah, you know, and terrible. it's real. I mean, come on. Yeah. yeah. Who has an, ex- you know, who over 21 has exactly. They don't want to admit it. Experience I mean, that. we watch those Amish shows on TV now. Yes, I and, love you know, those shows. And those are the people that are supposed to not do those things and they're doing those things yes. so everybody's doing they those go things. crazy i love that show oh yeah <laughs> amen <laughs> and now what i think is interesting about this album is that it's titled magic but you don't have a song just titled magic no. but the next song is called music's my magic yes. and is that sort of where the title is coming from yes that's the title track that. that is where that's really the most um biographical um where i'm really talking about myself how the music was my savior as a child and when I would write music, I, I was very bullied growing up, and I was always different because, you know, we're talking about having this talent. A lot of kids, when you're different, they would single you out, and you wouldn't be so popular. You would be like an outcast because I was like mm. one of those goonies, you know. I was like one Aww. of those kids that I had a special gift, and I just didn't know really what it was at the time. I just knew when I would write music, I was special, mm-hmm. and I felt like that was the thing that I would disappear into this wonderful little world. Oh, cool. And so the song is so, it sounds so happy and bubbly and pretty, but at the same time, it's a very sad song because it's more about using m- the music and using the words to kind of transcend into a, like a fairy tale land. And that oh. was my fairy tale. I was writing music and, and doing that when I was a child. Because I wrote when I was just, you know, single digits. I was oh, always wow. writing. People would never hear it, but it was just for me. So did you have the inspiration for this song, you know, way before you wrote this album? Because you've had three albums previously. Mm-hmm. This is your debut country album. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this one I could almost, you know, I could see the, the tinklings of yeah, this maybe yeah. like <laughs> being before and then this album kind of finding its home a little bit. You know, the other albums that I had done, I was, again, doing either cover songs or I was doing songs that other people had written. And I wasn't really, I was putting my vocal stamp on them because I was performing them, but I didn't have anything to do with the songwriting process. Mm. This album, I finally sat down and said, these are my songs. These are my words. These are my melodies. These are my, you know, so like this, where I came out and I had this beautiful melody and then I had these amazing words that came together and Yes, this this song, although I didn't write it down, it's been with me for my entire life because it's it's really my story. Yeah, and I think that's why art is so important in schools too, to like mm-hmm. you know, say the the VH one say the music foundation, which it's is true. very important, mm-hmm. is for kids who do have this artistic ability, you know, that is sort of their safe haven. That's where they go to play and it's where true. they go to create and 
So that there's song nothing is wrong really... with being different. And, yeah. and a lot of times I think we lose sight of that. Everybody wants to be a little, you know, carbon copy of each other and wear the same clothes and have the same hair. And no, it's, you know what? I think we need to embrace the individuality because that's what makes us all beautiful. Absolutely. And there's actually a song that's coming up later in yes. the album all about that. <laughs> a nice little segue. <laughs> well, the next song has a killer music video. Yeah. So the next song is Judgment Day. And this music video is really intense and like it's like a mini movie it's epic that's the best word i can come up with it's definitely an epic like mini movie and we shot it here in los angeles and um, we flew out you can actually see the skyline in the back we actually blow up part of la which you know maybe some people like yay you wouldn't be the first to do it on in a a music video or movie (laughs) but i like what we did with this song because again this is a very like doom doomsday kind of message it's judgment day so mm-hmm. you're you're thinking about okay we'll just blow it up and it's all you know you're preaching and you're sitting on your pulpit kind of you know doing that it's really not about that when i sat down it's a funny story how i wrote this song they had a commercial. It was coming up to be the Mayan. Um, they kept talking oh, about 2012. Them. 2012. They were yes. talking about the Mayan calendar coming. And um, they had a commercial for an insurance company. A little, like, archaically drawn, little, <laughs> like, cartoon. And they were saying about how the world is going to end and the gravity is going to cease to exist. We're all going to float up and explode into the atmosphere. That was a commercial. that for I had insurance company? I think it was so an insurance company. Like, insurance. it's never too late. Yes, they were trying to scare, a little scare tactic. I don't know how that worked. It was the only time I ever saw it, by the way. I think they pulled that one. But I laughed and laughed. I thought it was just a joke at first. But it was daytime TV, so I'm like, this really isn't like, you know, Saturday Night Live or something. <laughs> so I sat there, and then about five minutes later, it stuck with me. And I'm like, what if they're the right people? What if they know something oh, funny. we don't know? And I'm just sitting here laughing at them. So then I started thinking, like, what would I do from now until the end of the year? How would I change my life? How would I, mm. you know, make things different? And I said, really, we never know. What day it's going to be. It could be tomorrow. It could be, you know, 300 years from now. We don't know. But while we are on this planet, we should just really treat each other with respect. And because we're all we have on this planet, you know, we we're it. We're in this together. You know, everything else doesn't matter. It's we're here and we're all we're all supposed to be a team. It's a little bit like that mantra, sort of live every day like it's your last. Yeah. And respect the people while you're here, because, you know, a lot of people are so self-absorbed. They don't see that there's another world around them. You know, they're only in their little bubble. And there's a lot of different people that are here you know, trying to all yeah. do the same thing. So let's just all get along. Yeah. I, you know, it just sounds like nice. an old, old, old little, like, you know, cliche adage, but let's just, you know, let's get along. Yeah. Before school every day, my dad used to say, be nice. Yeah. Like, he was, that was his little thing, was just, just be nice. Open because, the door for somebody. Yeah. Hold it. If you see somebody coming, hold the door for somebody. That's all it takes. You know you're in country music when you say, hold the door. I'm from Virginia, oh. and I am used to people holding those doors. When oh. you come to L.A., you're and like... And I'm one of the people, if they don't, I'll let them know. Oh. I said, someday I'm going to be on, like, you know, some channel. <laughs> they'll be on the news. Like, girl gets shot because she has a big mouth kind of thing. <laughs> but it's true. I, I will say, like, or I'll, I won't do it in a mean way. I'll just say, thank you. Oh, this you know, best. And they, they either know or best. they don't, but I figure it makes me feel better. Yeah. <laughs> well, the Judgment Day was one of the main songs that I was like, this, I hear her rock and roll in here. Yeah. I hear that rock and roll. I hear Reba in there. Yeah. I hear Bon Jovi. In there. I can hear Bon Jovi covering that song any day of the week. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think that song sounds like Bon Jovi wrote it for Martina McBride. It's a yes. little Independence Day. Yes. Martina McBride's Independence Day yes. sort of meets Bon Jovi. Mm-hmm. In, and then like with your little spin on it, because yes. I'm like, that doesn't sound like Martina, but... <laughs> Girl, because, like, the vocals in there are yeah. definitely up I like there. that you say that because I think Martina is one of the most legitimate singers out there. Ooh, Not just man. for country, but really the things she can do with her voice are really very talented woman. Incredible. I have tried to sing many of her songs, <laughs> and it is embarrassing. <laughs> and that's when I know. When I try to either play the, game, the video game rock band and I can't play the <laughs> instrument well enough, or I try and sing someone's song and I can't hit any of the notes that it's telling me to In hit. In My Daughter's Eyes, that song, Ooh. I had to sing it for a wedding once, and she just has a timbre and a, and a break in her voice, her upper register, that it's just like... It's painful when I try to do it. My breaks are in much different places. And yeah, it, your voice sounds a little lower, much lower than Martina's. It's funny because when I was in opera, I was the highest voice type. I was a color tourist soprano. Oh, but wow. But throughout my training and trying to take the classical out, but, you know, keep the at least the proper way of singing, but try to mainstream it up a little bit. Yeah, it's, uh, my voice has dropped. Even my radio voice, you know, it's very low. <laughs> <laughs> That's really interesting that, cha- you know, going from one genre to another. I think we all change. I mean, I just think throughout time, that's why, you know, certain singers shouldn't sing before a certain age. You should wait till oh. you mature. There's there's definitely a lot behind that because we're never done. We're, we're always changing our bodies. You know, every seven years we regenerate. And I really believe a lot of, you know, my voice is 
definitely deepened as I've gotten, you know, older. I hate using that word. But as, I, <laughs> as I've aged. Aged gracefully. <laughs> aged gracefully, yes. I, I've definitely, my voice has changed. And now this next one, Another Rainy Night in Memphis, mm. is a sad song. Yeah. Oh, I mean, the title is a absolutely perfect title for how it sounds mm-hmm. because it sounds like it's going to be this is like in a movie when that character is just staring out the window and the window has all those raindrops on it you see it you know <laughs> yeah. i tried to paint it when i wrote this because I, I i had a very distinct image in my mind when i was writing it. it is this song i think on the album is the most me like mm. music's my magic is um very you know biographical this one is just if you were to look at my soul and you were to take out my heart and hear what i hear in my head or feel what i feel in my soul i this think is that's music's song. purpose as well is mm-hmm. really to put you know sound to emotions well this song was very hard for me to write you know people ask you know certain oh. songs are easier like you know last call for alcohol is funny of course you know you get to get it out there and you have a chuckle this one especially when i perform it live when i do my show and i actually perform it on stage it's hard to get through it without breaking up. Even when I talk about it now, you know, it's just so emotional to me yeah. that I, I do. I well up. And, and I think it translates to the audience. This is usually the most popular song in the whole show because I just go out there. You know, it's me. I'm bearing every piece of vocal I can, every bit of my soul. And I just lay it out on the stage for them to, to eat it up. And it really, it's just an amazing... It's an. I think it's my my favorite on the album. Yeah, I I hear a little bit. I am a big theater nerd, so I hear a little mm-hmm. bit of that theater influence in there with that. Like, just you feel your passion for it. I tried to make yeah. this song more about emotion rather than mm-hmm. just a song. I tried to paint feelings, paint you know the experience. But like how you saw the rain on the window trickling oh, down. Yeah, absolutely. I tried to be like you don't even need to say it. I tried to create it in the music. So sometimes you don't have to say things. You can just hear it and feel it. Like in a soundtrack of a movie, you hear, you see a character doing something and it's, you know, it's an ordinary kind of scene. And yeah. then all of a sudden they add this amazing, like that kind of song underneath right. it. They're just brushing their teeth and you're yeah. crying. Yeah, you make this, you make an ordinary <laughs> action extraordinary. And that's how I tried to do with this song. I tried to just take it to a level that really was hard for me because it was really taking it and kicking it up a notch and really bearing my soul for other people to judge. And so when in the writing process of the entire album did this song come more towards the beginning or did you feel like the album needed a song like this and you really had to force yourself to write it? I'm the queen of ballads. <laughs> I had to force myself not to write a whole album of ballads. I definitely I love like I I could be like Celine Dion's daughter. I really yeah. could be. That's just I really I feel that way. And I had to fight it and really just go with more of a rock groove and stuff like that. Because I love that kind of music when I'm driving in the car. I don't want to hear ballads. You know, I want to hear <laughs> something pumping. And so I it was I had to resist the temptation to write ballad after ballad. So this song was very early on. The song was definitely, I knew what I wanted to write. I just had to put it all together into a, a song that had so much power. And how many songs did you have written and recorded <laughs> before you narrow it down to, you know, albums really can, can really nowadays only consist of 12 to 14 songs. Mm-hmm. So I imagine you probably had like 30 or 40. I did. <laughs> I went, that was the whole, the sole purpose of coming in. I had all these songs. I had hundreds. I still wow. have hundreds of songs in my head. And I went to my manager and I said, you know, I can't die with these songs in my head. <laughs> I really can't. I mean, at first I said, I just want to get them down. What if I have grandkids someday? And I just, I don't want to, you know, they're here. They're in me. Let, let me get them out. Cathartic, kind of get these things out. So he agreed. He's like, let's just go in. Let's let's find a team of people. We'll start recording. We'll start doing this. So it wasn't like this kind of thing where you think of, oh, we're going to create this product. We're going to sell millions and millions of copies and we're going to make a huge profit. We didn't do it that way. We really just created art to kind cool. of just get it out. And then I think we all looked at each other when I started writing. I started writing the first song, which was Heartbeat, which is coming. Um, we all kind of looked at each other and said, wow, there's something special so all the songs i came in with really heartbeat was the only one i wrote like a few days prior to meeting with all these people i wrote the whole album magic was written for magic as soon as i sat there with this group of people i said you know what i'm writing all new music oh wow so i never recorded all the songs i went in to record they're still up here so i think i need to go back i'm just saying oh my gosh (laughs) that's yeah you definitely have to i was so I, i joke with people i felt possessed there were days like I my you know I'd go to my manager I said yeah I wrote another song and he's like you just wrote one yesterday I'm like I'm not kidding and you know you think oh they sound like crap but no they they were all keepers they all ended up on the album that's incredible and I think I had one that I wrote that I said you know what I'll save it for the next one wow. and so I stopped I actually saved one so there's one coming <laughs> would you ever write music for another artist now that because it yeah. seems like songs come to you so easily you know a lot of people ask me that. 
and I have a hard time because when I write a song, it's really like giving birth to a child. Yeah. It's really like I nurture that that child. I raise it. I, it's part of me. So when I write it, it's kind of like it's very hard. It's like kind of seeing your little daughter get married. I, it's very oh hard to give it away. And so and a lot of times when I do write music, my vocal parts are very complicated. They're they're difficult because of my three and a half octave range. Right. I try to show those things off because I figure, you know, hey, that's, you know, the money notes. So you <laughs> stick them in there. And, you know, I always worry that those songs I write, they're, they're good because I do that. I'm not sure there's many singers out there, though, that maybe could. Or they wouldn't want to sing like Rainy Night in Memphis. That's that's a very hard song to sing. You know, it's hard for me even to sing it live sometimes. And I wrote it for me. I always think that's interesting because Sia has a song out right now called Chandelier, and uh-huh. uh, Kat Perkins performed it last night on The Voice. And Kat's voice is great, mm-hmm. but Sia, I I literally think Sia writes songs like. Hmm, what's the hardest thing I could do with my voice? That's what I do. <laughs> and, that's so interesting to me because I I'm do. like. How, like, musicians, not only do you record, but you mm-hmm. perform live. And so yeah. how is it going from the studio to the stage when you write a hard song like that? I, you know, when we recorded Magic, I went in. A lot of people, you think, okay, with, with recording and Pro Tools and all these things, when you're in the studio and you're recording, you can take a million takes. You can mm-hmm. add, you know, pitch, you know, you can pitch correct everything. Vocoder or something. You know, you can do something. We didn't use any of it. We kept oh, wow. this really raw. When I went in and every single song on the album, I sang it twice. <gasps> That's it? From beginning to end. I sang through the song as though they were performances. I sang the beginning to the end of the song and then they just picked... Wow, that's rare. I said that because I'm a better performer because of my my theatrical experience and that I've always been a stage performer. I've always been a live performer. Mm-hmm. I do something. I add a little something when I when I actually when I think I'm singing live, there's always that adrenaline. There's always that little something. When I'm in a studio, it's kind of relaxed. The lights are off. You're kind of by yourself in this little, you know, with these things on and you're in this little space and so you have a tendency to kind of your sweats. You know, you're kind yeah. of dropping your your feeling. You're just thinking, okay, well, I can do it again. So I never went in with the mentality like I can do this again. I went in as though it was my last take ever. It was a live performance on stage. And we were able to get a lot of the same kind of live experience. And then when I do my show live now, I even take it to a new level. It's like we've added so much special effects, so many like there's a video interaction. It paints a story because cool. this is my life. So we actually made it like a little mini Vegas kind of show that actually has a story, has a beginning, has an end, and it's it's quite exciting. I must Very say. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. I love that idea that going into a show that you could bring your theatrical background and mm-hmm. like I want to make a whole story. Like I'm going to make my live show more than just me singing songs well, on the stage. I, I used to be afraid of having the theatrical background. I used to mm-hmm. say, well, I don't want to tell people I did opera because they're going to think I can't sing, you know, oh, I'm going to sound classical. They're going to predetermine. As right. soon as they hear classical, I'm going to come out singing like, you know, <laughs> huge vibrato and all this stuff. Which I wouldn't mind, to you be know, honest. It would be pretty this cool. day and age, I, wouldn't, I would actually be a nice change of pace. But, <laughs> but I didn't want to have that preconceived notion where people would be turned Absolutely. off. Because a lot of people don't like classical. So I tried to stay, you know, I was trying to stay away from it. And then one day it hit me. I'm like, why? This is my history. This is who I am and why I'm doing what I do today. So why don't I take... Maybe get rid of the negative parts of it, the things I didn't like about it. But why don't I embrace the things I did? Yeah, steal what you like yeah. and then bring yourself to it. And Very then, cool. you know, we I created, I was a co-creator of our show that we actually do. Like, I was part of designing the entire show that we toured across the country with. Very cool. And so the next song we have on your album is K-I-S-S, or Kiss. <laughs> yes. Uh, that's what that spells, everyone. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and so th- tell me about this song. Tell me what it was like writing this one and... Is there also, I always wonder, when you make an album, do you put songs in specific order? Oh, yes. That was one of the yeah. hardest things. That actually took longer than writing a song. Really? Because this I, one yeah. comes after a very heavy song, mm-hmm. and this is a little bit more upbeat. Yeah. I tried to really think um, of the listener. I wanted to have a listener. I didn't want to create a one-hit wonder kind of album. Like, a lot of times with downloads and digital downloads, we lose, like, the Pink Floyd, The Wall album, where it was a totally. story. And I really said these ri- these were all written as a story. There is a definite kind of progression of woman empowerment, her journey along the you know the way in the music industry. So I really wanted the listener to listen all the way through. So I said, well, I'm going to keep them to do that. So I really had to sit there and very you know, methodical 
put the songs in an order where I thought they would be like, hey, I want to hear what's next. Oh, yeah. I like that. That's different. What's next? And then by the time they realized it, they were at track 11 and, you know, the album was done. And they were like, let's listen to it again. Yeah. So that was kind of the, the goal in it. Yeah, there's definitely, that's like psychological. That there's definite, a, there's a real journey that's very the, the cool. song selection. I do feel like nowadays with, when it's all just about downloads and ringtones and things mm-hmm. like that, people, yeah, you'll just download one song versus listening to an whole album oh, and yeah. not downloading a whole album even. Right. Right. So that's really cool. And that. artists, you know, they don't care. They'll put a little fluff on their album because they realize nobody's going out to buy the whole package anymore. They're just going to take a song. They're going to take a song. So I really wanted them to say, hey, you know what? I think I'm going to do the whole album. I, I kind of like that. And I like her vibe. So, and it, it's working. When I see the sales come in and I see like what we're doing, we're not doing a lot of individual. We're doing full. Oh, very which cool. Which is kind of nice to say. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, I think nowadays that's like a big Knock accomplishment, a big deal. Like, <laughs> Oh, you sold that many singles? Well, I sold this many yeah. album. Like, this is a yeah. whole thing. Yeah. That's very cool. And now Heartbeat is next. Mm-hmm. And you were talking about Heartbeat a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the video to this one? To Heartbeat, I oh, haven't. Oh, very sexy. Oh. oh yeah. Okay, well, yeah. we will definitely have to watch it. This was shot in the mountains of L.A. It, it kind oh, cool. of. It was funny. It was 80 degrees down in the valley. And then I was driving up in my little four-cylinder car that I, was, I had rented. And I barely made up the hill. I was like, oh, my gosh. And the, the temperature gauge kept dropping and dropping and dropping. I'm like, my car's broken. It's dying. <gasps> oh, no. no, it really was getting that cold. And I had nothing. You know, I was barely wearing anything in the video. You'll see. And, <laughs> and I, I planned on it was 80 degrees. So I'm driving up there in shorts and a T-shirt. And then it gets up there and it's like 19 degrees. <gasps> and then we just shot overnight. So it was like oh, so it was 9 really degrees cold. and snow's on the ground. And it was ridiculous. And, yeah, it was, it was, it was a, t- a very tough shoot. You watch it and you're thinking... I hate this girl. It's such an easy job. I want to be her. No, it was a very hard. I have to admit, it was a hard shoot. I mean, this song itself. I'm not surprised it's a sexy music video because I can hear it in the song. You're like, ooh, it's it's got your smoky voice in there, and it's yeah. like, yes, it's very like come hither sounding. Well, this is definitely a flip of like the Fifty Shades of Grey. This is where the woman says, you know what? She's in power. She takes she takes control. She does what the man has traditionally done <laughs> to the woman and flipped it around on him. And it's kind of like it's her night and she's gonna just use this guy and she's it. gonna do what she wants to do because she can and she's a woman. Yeah. And you know, we shot with um I don't know if you know the zesty guy. He's the zesty guy. Craft zesty guy. He was in all those half you know he's half dressed in all those, you know Oh yes Yes <laughs> He's in the video. He's my love interest. Yeah, nice. a little steamy. He was a little zesty. I had nice. he, he, he was a little steamy before he was zesty in this oh my video. Gosh. Yeah, funny. Yeah, and that's it, great. It's hot. It's definitely. High. I recommend anyone. Did to you go get watch to it. when making the music video? Did you get to pick? I picked who him. your guy was going to be. Yeah, I picked that's my nice. my director sent me over. You know, like a dossier of a bunch of people, <laughs> and I kind of went through, and I was like, no, 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 yes, and that was it. <laughs> mm, I said, yeah. get him. However, you got to get him. Just get him. And at the time, he wasn't zesty yet, so we were able to get him and. Uh, it, it was great because, you know, it, it's weird because we were very much like a brother and sister when we went on. <laughs> we were picking on each other the whole shoot. He, I'm like, he doesn't like me. And we were, we were like picking on him. You know, know, he was doing things to like punk me and stuff. Like, and we never met. You know, we met at, on the set for the first day. And, you know, we had to pretend like we knew each other for, you know, it looks like we're very, you know. Is we, that, was that all ever awkward? Is that awkward? You know, like, cause music videos are, you know, three to four minutes. And you get it, you have to get in and you, you have, have to get to out quick. And you have to tell the whole story. No pun intended, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah really though. Really. You know, we did it, we shot the, the love scenes at the end. And oh, so you got to know each other a little bit. Well, it was 13 hours. I was sick as a dog. I had a major cold. Oh, no. I was cold literally and figuratively and every other way. I got to the 13 hours into the shoot and I said, you know what? I just don't care. Get it over with. Yeah, just do what anymore. you got to do. I just don't care. And, you know, and it came out really nice. You know, it looked, it was just the right intensity and it, it was very, it's not a, tacky kind of thing. It's not dirty or anything. We did it in a very suggestive way. Like, no, nobody takes their clothes off. I was like, I was a little disappointed. But, (laughs) you know, but honestly, you know, nobody did it because we really wanted to make it more about the mind Mm. and watching it. You do. You When you stop the video, even after all these times I watch it, I go, uh, you release the breath because you're sitting. You really you don't even realize you're doing it. You're holding your breath through the whole time because there's something about it. it just it's gets the your anticipation mojo. of what might happen. Mm, I'm getting all excited just sitting here. I'm just, I love you know. it. You're you're playing <laughs> off of people's imaginations. You're like, I'm gonna let yeah. you imagine what happens. I think we need to go back. You. We need to go back to that a little. Let the mind work a little rather than showing everything on a silver platter. What's going on? Let the mind kind of fill in the gaps. And right. we, we did that. And I well, really think it was effective. That's smart because I honestly think people's imaginations – 
go way further than that's what you what could I'm ever saying. show. And that's what people have said because, you know, I've, I've talked to people and they're like, you know, they think we had a relationship. They think, oh, you know, like if you ever go to date someone, they're jealous of it. I'm like, wait, I didn't even know you when <laughs> I shot this. And you know, it's just, you know, it was it's very there's something about it. That's it's awesome. Just, well, people need to go watch it. That that YouTube. sounds like a complete departure as well from the Judgment Day music yeah. video. So yeah. that's that's cool that you get to do these different these yeah. really different ones. Yeah. And uh okay, so next we have Good Girls Wanna Be Bad, mm-hmm. which you actually earlier in the interview kind of I think made a little suggestion towards this. You know, you were saying you're you're just this good girl who like Kind of has a little bad side sometimes, and yeah. that's cool that this song is, is that sort of what this song is about? Like, you just, you know, it's being really... polite and sweet. Like, cause when I heard it, I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, like, finally the good girls. Cause I think right now, in music, in pop music at least, there's definitely like, the, Rihanna, Miley, they're just topping each other with what's the craziest thing. Yes. And, not everyone is like that. No, <laughs> and it's ruining it for those that aren't, that maybe are a little square, you know? Yeah. I think, like, I grew up, you know, I'm a, I'm a modest person. I don't believe, like, I would never be nude in any ever shoot. Like, people have asked me, would you ever, you know, shoot for something? I, I won't ever do it. I don't care how much money. I don't care what there is. Not, there's nothing on the planet that would ever get me to do that because I just don't believe in it. But yet, at the same time, I also can... You know, there's times you just want to have fun. Yeah. And yet society itself, because you're either one way or the, you're the totally. other way. There's you're nothing the in the middle. And I think we're all in the middle. I think we yeah. all have that time where we can just go either way. And that's what this, this song is about. You know, where we have to, we're, we're expected to be either this way or that way. And sometimes you can just be both. Yeah. Sometimes you're like, I go out on Saturday night, but then I go, I'm your back in church on Sunday, Sunday morning. Absolutely. And that's yeah. exactly what the song is about. <laughs> sometimes you just want to let your hair down, you know? And that was the thing about the censoring. They're like, you talk about stripping your clothes. I'm like, it's symbolic. You're taking your hair down. You're taking off your clothes. You're kind of shedding the layers of these kind of things that society has cast upon us as women. And that's what we're shedding. It's symbolic. And people are like, oh, you got to edit it. I'm like, we're leaving it. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Did when after you wrote a lot of it, did people have their inputs of you want to edit and things like that? And how much of that do you listen to as an artist? And you know, because I feel like you have to listen to a little bit, especially if it's producers or, you know, the record company or something like that. I'm smart. I'm not – I don't I, – I am stubborn at times, but I'm also <laughs> smart about it. There are times where if someone really pitches a good argument and they make a really – they have to make a good argument. They can't just say, I don't like that. I don't like that. It doesn't make sense. Well, why? Tell me why. Mm. If you explain a, a, re, a rationale behind it that's actually going to speak to me as, you know, as an artist and why I wrote it, if you can convince me over my, my point, then I'll go with you. I always told people when I was in the studio, look – I'm not going to ask for much. I'm never going to fight. I'm very agreeable. I go in and I just do it. But if I do fight about something, listen, because I actually mean it. Because you're passionate. That's the one thing I actually mean. All right. Well, the next one we're going to listen to is perfect for me. Mm -hmm. And now tell me about this one. So I like the idea that we're telling a story now. Mm -hmm. So now we just had Good Girls Want to Be Bad. And now perfect for me is this love song. Mm -hmm. This is actually a love song to yourself. This is really about... Kind of when I was bullied, and I was talking a little bit earlier about that in the interview, where I really was picked on, and I was bullied all through high school, and I was just different. You know, I I just was made to feel like this wasn't perfect, this wasn't perfect. And finally, I got to the point where I was like, look, I'm happy about myself. I like who I am, and that's perfect for me. I may not, you know, my hair may be out of place. I may have lines on my face, you know, things that are just normal things. But that's what makes me special. If we're all the same in this world... It's pretty boring. Yeah. You know, that's the, those are the colors. And this song quickly became an anti-bullying campaign. The song quickly became linked to LGBT community. Cool. All these things I never even thought of when I was writing because this was just really my story. This so many about, people were connecting to it. I had fan mail from males because really I thought this is a oh. definite female song because we're feeling that. We always, you know, I didn't even think that men feel this as well. Little boys think they always have to be perfect. They have to have a car. They have to have the right, you know, shoes, this, that. Or play football or basketball yes, or and they if they don't this... play sports and they don't fit in. I didn't realize. So when I got my first fan fan letter from a guy saying thank you. Thank you for Aww. writing a song 
even though you know I know that you you say this this is for a female perspective it relates to me and thank you for doing that oh, I that's thought that's so special that was when I realized that what I did was making a difference and I was that was what I was really very happy about I think that shows too when you really write from your heart and write mm-hmm. what you were feeling even if it's like from your younger self mm-hmm. how many people can still connect to the truth of it all yeah sort of going back to what we were saying with fans connecting to they know when it's true right they be know true yeah be true because they're gonna know and Really, why do we want to be anybody we're not? You know, yeah. we're born this way. This is what we are. I mean, to pretend, I was just talking about somebody like a lot of artists, they create an image and then they have to maintain this image. And that's hard when you're not that person. Totally. So then something happens where they get caught. They're always going to get caught doing something because <laughs> that's their nature. And then everyone's like, oh, how could that be? They were so good and they were this and they were that. And you're like, well, really, because you've created something that can't withstand the pressure that it's under. It's going to crack. Yeah. So if you're just true all along to yourself, you live in the light. You can't get out in the dark ever because there's nothing, you know, you're always living in the light. So. That's great. That's really that's really a good line. I love that. <laughs> now, this next one, Better Call Me a Lady, is mm. maybe one of my favorites on the album. It's cool. I like it because it's like the little... Queen Bee sass going on right in this one. It's, you know, yeah, you can do all these things, but I am a lady at the end of the day. (laughs) It's funny. This was the last song that I wrote for the album, and I really felt like it rounded out the sound of the album. I felt like it was the song was needed to kind of just tie it all together, and uh, I was talking to a guy on the phone, and this is a true story, and he was talking to me, and the whole conversation, he never called me my name. He kept calling me honey. Say and my baby. name, say my name. And I'm thinking, you know, after a while of like, you know, 10 minutes of this, 20 minutes of this, I'm like, this guy doesn't know my name. Mm. I'm like, this is ridiculous. So oh, finally, no. I just, you know, I called him out on it. I'm not shy. And I, you know, and, and I swear he like hemmed and hawed. And I think he had to go look it up on the computer or something. <laughs> Facebooking it really and quickly. <laughs> as soon as I hung up the phone, I, you know, I said some nice words. Uh, and then I went and I started writing the song. I, I was doing it before Taylor Swift was doing it. I was writing those songs about guys before she did. It, it just, I found it so funny. And I said, you know, I think I've earned somebody to, to actually know my name. I don't want to hear yeah. the cutie. Like, it still even bothers me when I go to a restaurant and they say honey or sweet. Uh, I think, you know, it's it's all right. But I just think, you know what, I've, I've paid my dues. I think I, I'm, you know, call me a lady, you know, kind of thing. And yeah. I like it. Sort of, I like taking that strong foot. Yeah. And then we have Baby Come On. Yeah. Yeah. And this one is kind of, I feel like this one is a little, it's kind of like uh heartbeat a little bit it's a little like sexy sassy mm-hmm. and so it, you're kind of ending this is the last one that you wrote on the album mm-hmm. so is this just kind of like the fun one to end it on this was definitely a merge we did a style that i don't think has ever been done before or since during ever um we took country and we we fused it with funk which like a kind of a prince sound a little which, bit yeah you know we tried to get that you know funky kind of guitar going you know a little bit of a lap slide going and we really tried to fuse these two genres that are never fused together and i was so happy with what was created because it was it's something awesome. very unusual it has a little rock and roll it has a little of everything it's one of the best live i think it's fun people get on their feet oh i'm it's sure. just really that kind of song and when it's, you hear a funk yeah. beat, you can't not You dance. can't. Like right now, my toes tap and just because I, I'm hearing it. And it's, again, right back to I don't need a man. I, I'm going to take my time. You're not going to tie me down. It's when I'm ready, I'm ready. Stop telling me. Like I even talk about my mom in there, you know, <laughs> where's my little grandbabies, you yeah. know. And then I laugh about it because it's just it's society always saying you need this, you need this, you need this. But you know what? This is what I need and this is what I'm going to do. And it's. It's working for me now. Awesome. I love it. <laughs> and I just want everyone to hear Summertime and hear your yeah. cover of it because mm-hmm. it is very, very cool and different. And, yeah, it's – I definitely – when you said New Orleans, you hear, you hear it, it as soon it. as it starts. It's, like, elongated and mm-hmm. almost like molasses. It's you can like see them walking down the street. When they used to do those, those street funerals, I think they still maybe do. And I they, think they do. They walk through mm-hmm. and they do those things where they have, you know, the drums that they walk and somebody's playing a horn. And they, they make it, like, a celebration almost when they're walking through these streets. And it's a little creepy. <laughs> but it's – you know, there's, there's a lot of weird feelings that you can get from this. And I just – I really was very happy with it because I was able to show my vocals, really the the range to go. Like I took this song and I did it in two different octaves. And I said, you know, I'm going to show the meat of my voice, the sexy, deeper quality. And then I'm just going to go up and do my, you know, my upper register and let people hear what that is. And I was really happy throwing some ornaments and do a lot of the fun things that I wasn't maybe able to do on the other songs. Very cool. Well, it sounds amazing. And 
If any of you guys want to go and preview the album, it, you can find it on DoreenTaylorMusic.com. And it's also on iTunes. It's everywhere. And it's, it's on everywhere. Spotify. I was listening to it on Spotify this morning. And so you guys can go check it out. You can buy it on iTunes. We're also on iTunes. So you guys can download the podcast and listen to it and rate us and give us five stars and leave your comments and <laughs> comment on YouTube. And uh, Doreen said it herself that she... She does all her own social media, so I'm sure yeah. she will be like writing back to those comments and Absolutely. you can tweet to her. And what's your, where can they find you on Twitter? Oh, I'm Doreen Taylor. That's easy. easy. Yeah. And, um, Facebook, I have two pages. I have a fan page and then I have a personal page. So I'm even doing double team. That's crazy. Dang. But yeah, I have one. It's Doreen Taylor Music. That's my personal, but you can also follow me on there. It's maxed out, but you can follow. <laughs> and, um, there's Doreen Taylor fan page. Oh, which very is, cool. they're, they're both, you know, I'm, I'm on both of them. I'm on the personal probably more because, you know, that's like a little personal, but. But yeah, I have two websites. Colorsoftheusa.org is where the new song is, you know, the song for the parks is all about. You can read about it and read about everything. And there's links to everything. And then DreamTailorMusic.com. Very cool. And will you be, where will you be performing next? Where can we go see this show live? Well, we actually wrapped it up. We wrapped uh, the 2013-14 Magic Tour. We wrapped up in January. We had sold out shows across the entire country. Awesome. Every single show across the country we sold out, which was an amazing feat for us. And um, so we are kind of taking the time off to promote the new song. We are here in the West Coast right now to do a amazing West Coast release party. It's a private party in the Hollywood Hills at a celebrity's um, home. Whoa. I said if you whoa. want to talk to me later, I'll hook you up. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's gonna be really it's gonna be really hot here, so hopefully there's a pool. I think I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna be pushed in by accident. And uh <laughs> TMZ, let them know. And <laughs> no, and um it's just yeah, I'm gonna be doing a lot for the song. You're Very gonna cool. see a lot with the centennial coming of the national parks. There's gonna be a lot of performances and I'm awesome. I'm becoming their their little spokesperson. So, so cool. Cool. Well, everyone stay tuned to go follow her on Twitter at Dorian Taylor and yeah. that way we'll know when you'll be performing yes. and we can come and see you then and I'm sure she'll be posting about it. You guys can follow me at Chloe West X. We are here at AfterBuzzTV.com and thank you so much for coming in and talking about your album thank and Colors you. of the USA. This was so fun. Thank you. I really like love the fact that you took the time to go through my music and awesome. you know, that's, that's really very cool. Of course. Well, thanks so much guys. We will see you next time. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. <laughs> 